Hello and welcome to another episode in the Being Miraculous podcast. I'm your host and self-awareness coach Shweta Shubraman and today we have a very special episode. Our guest speaker today is Rashmi Shetty. Rashmi is a voiceover artist and a coach who works with CXOs and senior leaders to enhance their voice and vocal presence. She's a global member at the ICF Foundation and facilitates many leadership programs. She's also a fellow podcaster. Today, though, we have a special episode planned. Unlike our usual episodes where we delve into self-transformation and learn from others' journeys, today we are going to go into the wisdom from the Bhagavad Gita and how it can be applied in our day-to-day lives today. So let's get started. Hi, Rashmi. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here and for our conversation today. Yes, I too am equally excited. Uh, In fact, initially when you told me that it's going to be a conversation based on the Gita, I was a little nervous. But then I decided to make it easy on both of us. (laughs) I'm going to give you what I picked from the Gita into application of everyday life. If that works for you, then yes, we're going to have a great conversation. (laughs) absolutely and yeah no pressure it's just in terms of uh, I know the years you've spent uh, you know spent understanding the Bhagavad Gita and there might be a lot of insights that our listeners and me included can actually take away from it so no pressure but yes we can look at how it can be applied in modern day situations and context but maybe before we jump into that I'd love to hear your journey right when did you first come in contact with the Bhagavad Gita and how has your journey been how have you been in touch with it through the years? Uh, Well, my journey with the Gita was not a planned one. My classmate and best friend in third standard in school uh, was somebody whose dad was teaching the Bhagavad Gita and I had no clue. She just asked me one day when we were walking back from school that, Rashi, would you like to come for Gita class? And I didn't know what it is. I went home and I told my mother. My mother said, yeah, yeah, go. When my mother was okay, you know, I grew up in the 70s. So that means everything has to be sought first with permission from parents. And if parents are okay, then you get to go. So this is 70s of uh, Chennai, which was a very small, that then Madras, a small, safe, beautiful city, culturally very rich. So uh, my mother said, yeah, go. Because my mother knew what the Gita was and I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I went for the classes and I saw it was recitation. But it gave me more time to spend with her. Mm-hmm. And her father was really making it easy and fun for both of us. And that's how my journey began. Without any plan, I think when you're ready, the teacher appears. Now I know the meaning of it. But at that time, maybe I was ready and I didn't. But my teacher appeared and that's how my journey began. Very, very accidentally, a small little conversation that drew me into this amazing book that has become my book for life. So third standard means I was eight, today I'm 53. Uh, The Gita has been a constant companion, but then like everything else in life, once college came in, once that was over, even in college, because Sanskrit was my second language, the Gita continued to be part of my journey. But post-college, when I went into post-graduation and then work and marriage and kids, I think for a brief period of about maybe seven, eight years, the Gita book was there, but the Gita wasn't there in my life because I got so busy handling all of those. But then uh, the Gita Gita actually chose when uh, it's going to be part of my life and Gita came back. So 
it was a brief, I think about five to seven, eight years when I didn't have any contact with the Gita. But the teachings of the Gita, the, some of the verses of the Gita continued to just stay at the back of my mind. But they were there. They were guiding me. Now on hindsight, when I look back, I realize that yes, most of my decisions that I took was very clearly influenced by what I had interpreted from the Gita. Because uh, Shweta, to tell you very frankly, this is one book that has opened itself to a lot of interpretation. So this is one book that you can see world over people having. From Shankaracharya to every Tom, Dick and Harry has a book on the Bhagavad Gita. So what we are going to talk today and what I'm going to share is what I have understood of the Gita. I'm not saying, putting the disclaimer out there right at the beginning that I'm, what I'm saying is not the truth. It is my interpretation and what has helped me take some very crucial decisions. So since it's been a text that I refer to, I go back to so much so that when I'm very confused and I don't know what to do, the only book I go to is the Gita. I, open, I close my eyes, tell my prayer, ask my question, and I open. And whichever verse talks to me then is my answer. Then I go deeper to see what the answer has been and move accordingly. So it... The Gita is that much a part of every decision I take. Amazing. Wow. So from third standard till now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Lovely, Rashmi. And yes, absolutely noted. I think we will, uh, we understand that there are many interpretations and nuances to this book and uh, we will all take it with a pinch of salt in terms of taking whatever resonates with us as we hear it and practice what we feel makes right, right? Yes. So yes. we'll go ahead with that uh, expectation. So the first thing that came out to me was when you said, right, that the teachings of the Gita have already always stood to you in your life. And I'm just curious, were there any experiences where the Gita actually came to life for you in terms of your life experiences and your journey? A lot, a lot, Shweta. Uh, one is, uh, I'm a very hardworking, I was a very hardworking student, but I never got results that I wanted when it came to board exams. So I was very upset. And uh, one of those times, like, I really worked hard. I was a good student all through school. But when it came to board exams, I never got the results that I saw my classmates getting. So the 10th, the 12th, I was a little upset. Because uh, 12th, I wanted to be a doctor, but my marks were not good enough. And I studied in Madras. So it was completely merit. And it was 95 plus only who could get into medicine and stuff like that. And I did. So I was very upset. And at that time, I opened the Gita uh, and I said, this is very unfair, God. I've really worked hard. And people who didn't do very well consistently have scored higher than me. This is not right. And uh, so at that time, in that confused state, when I opened the Gita, the worst that spoke to me was And for me, when I said, okay, so what does it mean? And I go deeper into the meaning. They clearly be stopped with the first line. And I used to get very angry when people used to say, uh, Indians are very fatalistic. You go by this statement from the Gita, which says, which is, do your work and don't worry, whatever is in your destiny will come to you. But that's not what is the meaning of it. The second line is, which means you do your best and then leave the rest. 
you don't sit there and say okay whatever is due to me will come to me so i will just sit here and wait no it's not talking about inaction it's talking about action karma and uh, karma yoga every everything in the gita talks about yoga because yoga is union of the self to the higher self to put it very simply and uh, i when i started reading what i believed and worked with me and what i thought made a lot of sense with the gita how i can connect it to my everyday life is everything in the gita is a matter okay the five horses that krishna is driving in the the chariot that he takes to the war is the five senses and our five senses which either lead us into complete ruin if we allow the senses to uh, lead us or hold them all back if we have that intellect which is krishna within us and arjuna represents us and the war why such a beautiful book the geeta in the midst of a war you know like i was talking to a friend of mine uh, and uh, her name is rupa pai she's written this amazing book called geeta for children and she was saying look at the way the geeta is placed in such a huge epic text the mahabharata in the center right in the center it's like the fruit is there outside you eat into it you eat into it and you start chewing yourself and you come to the center the seed of that whole mahabharat is the gita in a lakh plus verses the 700 verses are where the essence of life is how do you handle yourself is so by the time you come there the entire and mahabharat when it was read originally and written originally was not meant to be a text that was abridged or could be fast forwarded because you didn't want a certain portion you had to read it completely Right. so this entire stage is set till bhishma parva and then the war is about to begin and here comes the gita now the 700 verses it's believed was said in 45 minutes uh that is one of the beliefs but these 700 verses which were pure questions that arjuna asked and uh, which again are 16 sets of questions that he asked which krishna explained and to us comes through sanjaya to dhritarashtra the entire conversation if you just see how even even if you don't believe mahabharat was true just the concept of the story and the idea itself is so amazing yeah. imagine how can somebody so many years ago sit and think of a story where every character has a back story there is no character in mahabharat who's just loosely introduced and lost everyone has a back story everyone suffers for a reason enjoys for a reason and all of this made complete sense the more you start reading our text especially the epics you understand what storytelling is yeah. so here comes the geeta in the midst of it and these 700 verses have to be read before you go ahead to find out what happens with the mahabharata right so the essence of life itself is right there and it is there at the beginning when they talk about the gita mahatva itself there is a line which says it is like the whole upanishads have been milked and what the essence of that milk is the bhagavad gita so if you read just that one text it's enough you get a sense of what the upanishads and the vedas are all about so when it comes to this particular text 
I started seeing this verse that flashed to me at that point when I was so upset. And it's the meaning and the interpretations that I read led on to make me understand that what is in your hand is the controllable hard work. Mm -hmm. There are many things that are beyond you, beyond your control. And especially, you know, I meet so many of my friends who say we are control freaks, everything we have to know. Life is not like that <laughs> because you, you cannot control everything. There are so many things beyond you. Who even would have believed if you said about five years ago that there's going to come a phase when the whole world is going to get back in and nature is going to thrive. Nobody would have believed. Right? How many plans went haywire in the last three, four years ever since COVID hit? So there's a lot that is not under our control. What is under our control is how we work and how we respond. And that is where the, you know, all uh, Hindu temples, if you go into most of our temples, you have the tortoise right at the beginning. You have lamps in the shape of the tortoise at the base. The tortoise is a constant reminder of withdrawing yourself from the distractions of the external world. Okay. So if you see, and in the Gita too, there is a reference to the tortoise as in how you should withdraw your senses when you're completely distracted to make sure that your focus remains where it needs to remain. Because we are human beings. So obviously we are going to have disappointments, extreme joys, excitements. All of this will come. How? Based on the five senses that we are blessed yeah. And when we allow our senses to lead us, that's when our mind does not work. But if we take control and become like the tortoise, and that the presence of the tortoise in our temples is a reminder of that. That you have the ability to withdraw yourself. Use that. So for me, that was meant a lot of meaning that, okay, there are many things beyond. And like we say, the karma, the past, from where you came also plays a role because when you say, okay, all that is nonsense, how else will you reason and justify to yourself certain things which are beyond control? Who comes into your life? Which family you're born into? There are so many children who are born Muslims but know to read the Gita. Yeah. And uh, sometime back, I think it was in Maharashtra where there was a contest that was held. It was an all-India contest and the girl who talked it was a Muslim. And it is right from a very young age in a school, she was introduced to Gita and her parents encouraged her to read the Gita and she ended up winning the championship. So all of this for me justifies with the fact of your past karma and the life that you have a choice leading now. So that's where destiny and free will come into place. So it's all started making sense. And I realized one truth, which is my truth, that is Put your best and leave the rest. And when you're not worried about the outcome, it's all about what you're putting in currently, you end up doing your 100%. Yeah. When you are nervous or anxious about the result, you actually end up making a lot more flaws. So when the result does not matter, I'm going to put my best shot and the rest is up to whoever, destiny, God, whatever you call it then it becomes easy to do your work as well. You put in your first foot, you know, that that's the beauty of it. You just hit one step. The universe, we call it universe now, the generalized term. 
takes the remaining 99 steps to make sure everything falls in place. So when things work your favor, how many times do you look up and say, thank you? When they don't, how many times you look up and say, why? Me? Why? <laughs> so yeah. I think the moment all of this gave clarity to me, it became easy to accept all that happened. But one thing remained, doing your best, putting in that hard work, doing whatever, because uh, one truth I picked from there was never look back and say, I wish I had worked harder. I wish I had put in little more effort. So that was one principle that I took from the Gita that I'll never look back with regret of maybe another one person would have made a difference. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest moments where this verse started making so much sense to me. And I realized there is no point justifying it to those people who are making their statements. They're not going to learn anyway. They're not going to agree anyway. And the Gita is not about argument. It's about what you take from it and move forward. So that's my biggest takeaway from the Gita. And uh, that has helped me a lot, especially because of competition, ambition, and goals that you set for yourself and when they don't come true. So you're not able to be there. But today when I look back, I'm happy with the way life threw choices at me and what I picked. I had the right mentors at the right time guiding me to who I am today. So I know everything happens for a reason. Right. So beautiful, right? I love that, you know, you do your best and leave the rest. I think uh, in today's world where law of attraction and manifestation is the yeah. buzzword and, you know, what is meant to be will come and we keep waiting and waiting for the stars to align and yeah. everything to happen in our favor. I think that's a beautiful message that how do we ensure that we never have regrets, that we didn't give all that we had and, uh, you know, what we read about also in the terms of self-dedication, right? You give the best in you. All of it in you and then we see where it goes. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And I love the analogy of the tortoise as well in terms of withdrawing uh, from the senses. Rather, our natural impulse is to get more distracted, right? Uh, when we are a little on the edge or on wire, our natural inclination is to go to social media to distract ourselves, escape from it. And that's a lovely analogy on how do you actually withdraw. Yes. And maybe we could actually talk about that whole comparison that we spoke about, right? Uh, in today's day and age where there's just so much comparison with the world around us constantly and a con lot of emotions, right? Jealousy, yes, envy, yes. Uh, yeah. coveting somebody else's success. It's, it, it happens very naturally with social media, right? And I'm curious, is there anything from the Gita that can actually uh, talk about how to manage these emotions or comparisons? And uh, You know, uh, Shweta, uh, overall, not any particular words, but what I have taken for that is, again, Vita, Raga, Bhaya, Kroda, all of them, you know, the when you're upset, when you're scared, when you're angry, all these emotions and upheavals that we have, mainly it comes from desire, which comes from attachment, right? And uh, so when we, okay, it's, Gita doesn't say don't have any desire. It says when you're living your work. Now, uh, we go back to another thing my teacher said. Okay, uh, I'll take a few steps back sure. again. And uh, my reintroduction to the Gita happened about maybe 15 years ago when I came to Bangalore back. After traveling quite a few places, I came back to Bangalore. And this time, my mother was very insistent that I should uh, 
write the Gita exams. Okay, because I knew the verses, like by the time I was in 11th standard, I knew all 700 verses by heart. But over a period of time, I had forgotten the verses. Like I said, many other things pulled me away. So my mother said, she insisted in fact that uh, you should write these exams. And Bharti Vidya Bhavan conducts these exams at four levels. Okay, the Bhagavad Gita is divided into different chapters, first three chapters, then the next five chapters. All 18 chapters are divided into four levels of exams. And you're supposed to give those exams and you're writing it either in any of the Indian languages or English. You have to quote the verses that you're going to justify your answers with. So it's a typical exam. So you read the Gita, you try and understand the meaning and then write these exams. So when I started reading the Gita, I went to my mother's teacher who eventually became my guide as well. And uh, she told me something which is very simple. And that made the Gita even more enjoyable for me. She said that there are 700 words, uh, verses in this book, Rashi. But the essence of the Gita is in the first word and the last word. The first word of the first verse and the last word of the last verse. You put them together you get the essence of what Gita is. So I said, okay, the Gita starts with uh, Dharma, Kshetra, Kurukshetra. So Dharma is the first word and Mama is the last word. Okay. So she said, Mama, Dharma. That's all is the Gita. And I, I was shocked <laughs> because I had not heard of something so simple. So I was like, okay, it sounds so easy. I was like, wow, auntie, this is so nice. She's like, yeah, it sounds very easy. But the interpretation is on this word dharma. Mm -hmm. Because dharma has no English equivalent. It's like for a lot of people, it's like the interpretations of the Gita. Yeah. Dharma gets very contextual with different, different uh, settings that you place the word with. But she said, she told me that in the essence, what you need to understand is what you feel is right. Mm. What makes you feel very satisfied doing, what gives you that sense of peace is your dharma. Wow. Okay. And for me, that was an even easier example of how much the Gita can be applicable to your life. It's all about Mama Dharma. Which in the Gita, if you notice, comes as Swadharma. Yeah. In quite a few places, it's introduced in the third chapter, then is explained again, goes on, and again comes back in the 18th chapter. But what is Swa? Swa is mind. mind. And Dharma is, like I said, different meanings, different contexts. But essentially, Dharma, Swadharma is what are you comfortable doing as long as it's making a difference to the world around you? Like, uh, I'm comfortable watching uh, videos, Insta Reels, I'm comfortable watching serials. That is not what it is. Where you're pushing yourself in order to make a difference to the world. Where your yajna comes into or the self-dedication. Okay? So, that's where Swadharma starts playing a very important role because you are now now, each one of us, like like you spoke about comparisons and social media bringing in all of those, one truth which is 
the biggest truth of all is each one of us is on our own journey okay we are not the same even if we are brought up in the same household even if we have an identical twin each one of us is unique in our journey on this earth so it's very important for us to understand that our entire life is to find out this purpose of why we are here okay and what is it that gives me happiness when i do what is it that is making a difference where am i trying to find out who i can be better than what i was yesterday so the competition not the external world how can i up myself how can i up my performance and whatever it is whatever it is like you know it is uh, even in the gita itself krishna says chatur varnyam maya srishti i created the four varnas but here it is not by guna karma it's by the gunas and the karma that the vibhaga happens not by birth yeah. a person who's working who gets a salary from someone is like equivalent to a shudra a person who is doing his own business is a vaishya a person who is able to stand up and fight for something that is wrong that is happening around him is a kshatriya and a person who's reading the textbooks and making sure he's upping his own spiritual journey is a brahman so we have all four in us it's not four different individuals and the way we lead our lives like spiritual growth is something that can happen parallelly with our material growth and when you do that parallelly what you understand is detached attachment mm-hmm. okay and there again from the gita what i picked was padma patram ivambasi be like the lotus leaf the lotus is my huge go to logo because the lotus is something which teaches us how to be attached and how to detach it grows in the marshiest of places if you go there you won't even feel like plucking it but it reaches the highest place of worship and on special pujas the presence of the lotus is a must yeah well, how did it achieve that its ability to rise above the surface that it's growing and not allowing that to touch it the viscous surface of the leaf doesn't allow a water droplet to stay on it and that ability of detachment in spite of being attached because to be alive it has to be attached to the marsh there yeah. so that is where the detached attachment was another beautiful concept that the gita taught and if you start applying it into all that you're doing right it becomes very easy to understand how to lead your life you are now swadharma mai dharma now i'm a wife i'm a mother i'm a daughter i'm a sister i'm a friend okay let's take just these five roles as a wife there are certain dharmas that are expected of me. i'm supposed to fulfill that as a mother there are certain uh, rules regulations duties one of the interpretation is duties of dharma so as a mother there are certain things i'm expected to do so i will do it as a daughter as a friend these are things that i will definitely do as a sister so these different roles so start there so that's where he talks to arjuna right at the beginning about arjuna's dharma at that point of time don't worry about what my relatives who i'm going to kill who i'm going to kill 
and uh, i feel so bad about it is like your dharma is that of a kshatriya here be the warrior you're expected to be don't worry about whether that sin would affect so if you run away from the battlefield you walk away then you're not playing the role of the kshatriya that you have decided to be part of and taken as part of your dharma so that's where he says that even if you flaw in performing your dharma it's much better rather than performing somebody else's dharma perfect so you don't have to leave all this go to the mountains sit in the, the mountains and meditate on me to be spiritually high that's not your dharma now your dharma now is to fight so the roles that we play the people we are in the midst of and who we are committed to is our dharma so swadharma keeps changing from time to time it takes you at a higher level so parallelly when you're working on your spiritual growth as well then what happens you understand how to use detached attachment um, you understand i need to do my 100% the end goal is not in my hands so tomorrow i should not regret i did not give this relationship that importance it you know how many of us regret as parents oh i wish i had spent more time with my children as friends oh i wish i had called made that one call to my friend and spoken at that point maybe our friendship would have been better so instead of having all that according to you if you feel that phone call will make a difference to you just call that person that when the moment that aham that ahankara doesn't come in that's when you're doing your swadharma with a lot more clarity and it's all about mamadhar what according to me if i do i can enhance my life into a happier state from my end that's it knowing when to stop now no desire okay suppose there is this amazing now the season of mangoes now you want to eat mangoes according to geeta it's not that give up the desire of eating the mango eat yeah. the mango but don't hanker for more <laughs> while you're doing that enjoy it and then move on yeah when the desire takes over that's when you become a slave you're enslaved by it the attachment comes in when you don't get it there's anger there's disappointment and then you cut a mango there are worms in it you're upset and then you can't eat it and then every mango looks like that to you so there are so many things that happen and who is doing all that the mind yeah. right so the moment you divert the mind from there into something for higher to take you that is where you connect to the higher self okay so that what he says is being in the dharma of whatever roles you are playing is fine but what gives you constant happiness is when you come on the journey to become one with me and find out who you can be with me. and that's where the detached attachment and all of those concepts come into play withdrawal of senses enjoy and then let go don't hanker for it addiction is which takes you away whatever the addiction is it could be too much of affection it could be social media it could be a drug alcohol whatever whatever or something to eat also is an addiction because beyond a point even our body cannot take it right and that's where the result uh, is so many health or lifestyle problems that we face today so 
all of this is addressed in the amazing i love the concept of coming back and anchoring yourself to that mama dharma right uh, no matter what is happening in the world around you can you come back and say what really enlivens you and yeah. this is something my teacher also says right uh, dharma very simply says is what enlivens you and enlivens the people around you around you right it's not something as complicated so if we can just stick to that saying what is it that gives me that peace what is it that gives me that feeling of contentment and stick to that no matter where we go and come back to that keep coming back to that beautiful yeah. because as long as you're not enslaved by it it's your dharma right okay it, it, what enlivens you should not enslave you when you're doing something but you're not comfortable doing it then you know it's paradharma because mm. so that's a difference basic okay i'm this is like a very simplified way of saying it swadharma so, to paradharma so when it enlivens you makes you happy takes you on a different plane then it is the swadharma when you're doing it you're getting the returns but still there is something which is missing in it then you know it's fun yeah yeah that knowing dissatisfaction i think that you can yeah. feel from within yeah yes. absolutely beautifully explained and um, i think um, i was also going back to that uh, you know the withdrawing of senses and how important it is to sort of come back and anchor to figure out who you are and also the thing right that today everybody wants to like escape and run away to the mountains and then discover who they are and i think i did a podcast episode on that also saying that you know you discover yourself in the middle of the chaos in the middle of your relationships around you and not really in the mountains because all these travel companies i think advertise that right that self discovery happens in the himalayas and uh, i love how you said that that you, you do it from the roles that you are born into and you're currently playing and then find a way to move into that spiritual growth as well right to identify yeah. that amazing lovely i'm i'm just like really get to uh, soaking in all of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think I, i want to go back to that other point that you mentioned right um, a lot of times um, you know we misconceive our indian scriptures to tell us saying that we are not ambitious right uh the scriptures tell us to be desireless and not have any ambition and that goes very fundamentally against the human desire to achieve the best right we all have that innate desire to be more than we are today and so there's always that conflict and uh what you mentioned is slightly you touched upon that it's not that you don't have any desire but if you can just talk about what does the gita say about having desires and uh being ambitious how it probably not that wrong no because when we are talking about excellence we are talking about the balance between the material world and the spiritual world right so what when we are talking about let's take karmanevadika raste ma phalishu kadachit ma karma palahe turbuhu mate sango swavikarma meaning do your work so well so well now that is where the ambition to be the best in a particular space comes in, okay mm-hmm. now if you're hankering to be the best if you slip down slightly also then that pulls you down far mm-hmm. instead if you're like i'm going to do my best what the outcome is is not in my hands because there are, you know I, i have seen this even in competitions when i was a participant i have seen where there are competitions where i have recited flawlessly mm-hmm. 
and I haven't got the prize. And there are competitions where I've made mistakes, but I've ended up getting the prize. Yeah. And you don't know why, what in the judge made you get the mark there higher than the rest in the room. But each time you put in your best shot and move forward, you realize that that's all you can control, right? And this is where the concept of surrendering comes to me, uh, Shweta. So for what question you asked, I believe surrender plays a big role, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, this again happened on the journey in my uh, Gita exam journey. Uh, I was in the that particular portion, I think it's the second or third exam where you're, you have the 11th chapter. Now the 11th chapter is a huge chapter and it's an important chapter because that's where Krishna shows his Vishwarupa. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's Vishwarupa Darshana chapter. And till then Krishna has spoken as a friend, Krishna has spoken as uh, Arjuna's uh, Sakha is how Arjuna usually refers to him. But then in the 11th chapter, Krishna actually reveals who he truly is. And in the course of that revelation, there is a particular point where Krishna has opened his mouth and Arjuna sees that all his relatives are lying dead inside. He's completely shocked. And he says, how is this possible? I can see all of them alive in front of me. And they're all dead in your mouth. How is this possible? So at, at that time, Krishna says that this is the future. And to create this future, I need an instrument. Limit the matram bhavasabhyasat. Just merely be my instrument. For me, it was such an aha, as if that's it. <laughs> it's that simple. I just have to really be his instrument and he will do the rest. So everything, you know, like my teacher always used to say, whatever she does, she would say, Sarvam Krishna Arpanam. Everything I surrender to Krishna. And she would do her work and she was... She was somebody who was very hardworking all through, all through with whatever she was doing, extremely sincere. And she never looked at the end results. She was always in what can she give? So that, that self-dedication, the yagnya part of what are you giving of yourself as Ahuti is very important. Am I putting out my best self? That is very important you constantly have to ask. So when you surrender... You are completely dedicating yourself there. Saying, I and everything I do is for the higher good, for the higher self. And therefore, I'm just going to be my best version all the time. It's not about the external world because I am unique. And that's what the Swadharma is all about. The entire concept is around understanding your unique. Uh, there was a time that, like in the Varna system, if the father was this, the son becomes the same thing. But today, there is, oh, let's take uh, medicine. There are so many doctors whose children don't do medicine in spite of having a practice to inherit. It's, it's just that the child has found something else. Yeah. The child does not resonate. That was the father's dharma or the mother's dharma. But here, the child's dharma is different. So it's... When you go deeper to understand the concept, many people have construed it conveniently to what they want and used it for or against 
dividing or uniting society, however. But if you go deeper on the philosophical plane and watch and start reading it and seeing what it could be, you're so surprised that 5,000 years ago, these concepts were so beautifully delved in. Okay, and so the more you are in that surrender mode, that there is, obviously when you know there are so many uncontrollables, you also believe there's a power above, which is working. So all you can do is your best and then surrender. And the moment you start doing all that, if you notice all of them are connected, all these concepts are interrelated. Yeah. And at that time, what happens? Your senses withdraw. They no more take over and the anger, the disappointment, the anxiety, nothing comes. Because now you are in that surrender mode and you're like, okay, I have done whatever. This is the best I could do with this current scenario. Let me now withdraw. And this is something, the moment you do that surrender process, what emerges from that space in your own performance is excellent. Because you're now not hankering for the fruit. The end result is not going to take you away from your performance. What if will never When are you anxious? In the exam, if you want to do very well, you're like, I want the first rank. I want to be the best. And you go there. There are so many moments when you just go blank. But if your approach is, I'm going to give it my best shot. Whatever is the result, I'm going to give it my best shot. That anxiety to perform is automatically reduced. And when your anxiety is reduced, you're more balanced with your different emotional states and thereby perform. So they are all interconnected. Every concept that I spoke about is all interconnected to the basic idea of my dharma, I have to do it to the best of my. That's it. That's all I have control. Beautiful. I don't know whether in the process I answered your question or. <laughs> I mean, what I'm hearing is that it's not wrong to have an ambition, but to no, detach from the outcome, right? To and rather, I, I'm thinking like you know, you detach from the outcome and you attach to the process, right? Yeah. You attach More from than the pro- yeah. It's basically not even attachment to the process. Work on the process. Push mm. yourself because the moment you understand the uncontrollables, mm. what you can control is the way you're doing the job and how you're prepping yourself for it. That's all you can control. Okay, there are so many kids, you know, who study really well and then they lose somebody really close at the time of exams. Right? So the process of preparing all through the year is what helps them achieve a result that they have been really striving for in an uncontrollable situation that happens around them. Their emotional state still has to be steady to go right things right so there are many moments like that which happen in life like if you're a working mother let's say there are moments when it's an important meeting an important presentation and your child is sick many a time it is automatically looked at that the mother will stay back <laughs> the mother will but if the mother can't and the father agrees to stay back and says, you go ahead, I will be at home. And they have that understanding or they have somebody in the family. The mother is still thinking of the child in spite of Right? The moment she draws the line to understand that, okay, 
somebody is there to take care i've left that somebody only because i trust that somebody and now i'm going to perform and come back she will just give her best shot there so there if you see the dharam sankat of uh, what should i do is duty important or motherhood by both are dharmas she's decided to work so that's her dharma as much as looking after her child yeah so the moment you have somebody to support you that's where support system plays such an important role you drop that dharma there and go and perform excellent so having an ambition going ahead in your profession get your priorities right understand that when you're there 100% when you're here with your family 100% yeah. and when you don't watch up the two that is when your desire your ambition all is fine but you also know it and how to draw yeah. Yeah. one does not get on to the other that one gets too much attention and the other does you know all these concepts are very beautifully explained in some amazing uh, ways like uh, the circle of uh, the circle of influence and the circle of uh, what is the other one circle of influence control control the circle of influence and the no no something else i'll tell you no else. so uh, and the other one is outcome is equal to events plus outcome is equal to events plus response jack canfield the guy who wrote the chicken soup for the soul yeah he is uh, somebody who is given this formula outcome is equal to events plus response okay where he says the outcome of anything you're doing is equal to the event that happens plus the response that you give mm-hmm. now if you're balanced whatever is the event okay you cannot control the outcome the only thing controllable here is your response and the more controlled your response the better is the outcome whether it's in a relationship which ends up in arguments bitterness and then the relationship is gone sometimes it's just that spur of the moment outburst that removes the entire beautiful relationship that was there for so many years one outburst yeah. okay and for all you know it could be a miscommunication or the absence of communication that led to that outburst so that event which happens plus the response to that event is equal to the outcome okay that's hugely for me a takeaway from the gita as much as circle of concern and circle of influence mm. that we're talking about main our circle of influence is within us the circle of concern is everything that's happening external mm. if we can drop that importance of the circle of concern and know when to attach and when to detach your influence in mm. okay and the more you do that the more you'll start realizing how effective you are as a So nowhere does the Gita say don't have ambition, don't climb. It very clearly states whatever you're doing, because that's where the question of your dharma comes. In. Yeah. Whatever you're doing and you choose to continue because you're getting a lot of peace in it is your dharma. And certain things which you have been put as part of is also your dharma. When you're doing that, stay there. Hmm. Be focused. don't allow the external to control how you internally are responding because like i said when anxiety takes over your balanced mind stops working yeah 
the emotions have a huge upheaval and as a result of which many a time decisions are not always which you act in haste but take a long leisurely <laughs> right so instead it should be the other way now yeah if the action is done at leisure it makes a big difference on how that relationship could have yeah. so all the gaps in communication in relationships happen when we are not able to control all so having desire having ambition growth all of this is important because without that how will you show yourself you're excelling and going higher the whole purpose of the gita is to take you to a higher place to push you to your higher self and therefore nowhere do you look at the gita and say that oh it says no desire no ambition no it's talking about excellence you should definitely try who was arjuna the world's best archman and when it came to archery there was no no possible name that came closest to archer right so it was all about and what was what was uh, drona teaching him focus whether it was the eye of the fish or the eye of the bird it was all focus so when you're doing something uh, like there is one verse which is like dukkesh vanudvigna manaha sukeshu vikataspara so that again is like that in dukkha the mind goes here and there in sukha the mind is excited don't vitaragavaya krodaha so don't allow all of this to take over focus what is it you want focus on that so nowhere does the gita says don't don't have ambition don't have growth no it says be the best wherever you're doing just be the best your best version because the end result is not in your yeah oh, beautiful so i like that you know rather than thinking about it in ambition think about it in terms of excellence and focus on again we go back to focus on what's under your control and i think when we think about it that's so much more easier because what is in our control is that one step only right there's so many other things that are absolutely beyond our reach so that one step if we can give our complete focus and just keep getting better at doing that right and wherever we are like you said whenever we are fulfilling one role keep to that beautiful yeah. wow that's that's amazing and i i see how all of them are connected right you can't really talk about one without the other uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i think and there was just one other thing that i you know would love to hear your thoughts about as well uh, in today's generation a lot of us um, you know it's very instant in terms of the need for results right like if if i uh, write today you know i have to be the best selling author tomorrow right uh, there's just no gap between input and result and reality is not like that right so you know how do you cultivate that sense of patience is there anything about that from the gita or from your life experiences that you'd like to share with us yeah uh, in fact uh, the gita teaches you a lot about patience because it's all about excelling yourself pushing yourself to the higher self the highest you can be uh, parallelly with both the material and the spiritual world and maintaining a very beautiful balance between the two and then surrendering it all to the one above the choice is completely yours how you're doing it but uh, patience is something that the gita talks about nature as well okay mm. and if you look around you there is a time when it is spring look at the seasons yeah right 
everything around you forget the geeta just life around you and nature around you teaches us patience it the moment we understand everything takes time everything works around this concept of time it becomes easy to understand like see we all talk about the success of people today influencers today but if you go back and check they have put in at least 6 to 7 years of hard work when nobody even knew who they were at least yeah at least all the youtubers all the influencers have worked so hard but the problem is we don't even see all that we don't see all of that if you listen to all their stories they definitely share how when they set out to be on youtube or facebook or whatever they didn't have any audience <laughs> but they didn't stop them so the geeta talks about consistency mm. which is a must have if you want success the more consistent you are it and again success is related okay if you are equating success to material success number of followers number of whatever which is all material and tangible success also is and in spite of all of this there are people who still feel a hollowness with it those who have achieved all of this still feel hollow or something missing in spite of being influencers in spite of having a huge following after point having all the fame they just decide life is not worth it when you look at them it's like what they had everything that world describes as success now that is where the definition of success is very important what is long standing what is success why do you want that success what do you think you'll achieve when you reach that point yeah yeah and when these questions find meaning you realize it's about staying consistent being patient pushing yourself to be your best always but most importantly acting i want to be a best or a selling author for that i need to write my book <laughs> for that i need to put in that first page for that i need to put in my first word for put in my first sentence yeah right we want everything overnight without action yeah <laughs> without hard work or sweat please <laughs> because see if you notice nature teaches us that very beautifully in may mangoes really ripen but the flowering happens from february by march end you can see those small fruits the flower doesn't immediately become the fruit the next day it takes a whole month and then the fruits grow in size all through april by mid or 20th of april is when the ripening starts and by may 1st mangoes are ready everything that comes in april normally are chemically ripe yeah while the mangoes which come in may are the ones which are naturally ripe yeah so when everything has a time and space human beings to be born have nine full months there is a reason why time is important patience is important and going back again there are only this that is under my control these aren't understanding your controllables which is your response most of the time yeah. it's the action and how you're approaching the action the state of mind with which you're going the end result 
not in your hands. The moment you understand that and focus on how you're going to deliver the action, everything shifts. Absolutely. And automatically, the, you realize that many a times, it's when you finish a trip, okay, let's say a holiday, mm-hmm. and you come back home, you realize that there were so many moments in that journey that you treasure now, rather than that place you stayed. Yeah. What did you do in the place? While going there, while coming back, while coming back home, what are the different things that happen? So it's never the destination. It's that journey to that destination that gives you those happy moments. And how does that help coming back to the Gita? Being in the moment, being in the now. When you are excelling, when you're trying to push yourself, you're in the now, you're in the present. So you're experiencing the joy of doing it. Rather than looking at, oh, okay, I'm going to become the best-selling author because of this. And the more you start understanding that, you can apply it here as well. That get out that first word if you want to write a book. Make sure you have a cover page. What is the title of your book? What is it going to be? What is the first chapter like? And then start the work. By the time you finish your book, you, if you're happy with the book, I think that's half the work done. Yeah. And the rest will happen. The rest will definitely happen the way it should. So I think that that desire to be an overnight success, people do not realize that everyone who's successful today, who's well known and has achieved whatever, has come after years of struggle, years of consistency, years. And the more you believe, because that, anything that goes viral is not successful. (laughs) Virality doesn't have to have the right reasons to go viral. And just because one thing went viral doesn't mean you've arrived. Yeah. Right? And all right things don't go viral. Because I remember there is this um, guy who creates music. He's called Yash Mukhate. Mm -hmm. He takes dialogues and has a rhythm pattern that he puts as background and creates amazing music. Okay? And uh, he became very popular during the lockdown mm. uh, because people suddenly sat down, started watching and uh, it was like, there was one dialogue from a Hindi series, Rasode Me Kya Tha, something mm. like that, which is one dialogue and uh, that dialogue, he started having beats around it. And it became, and it's not like a huge album or anything. It's like two minutes, three minutes. And the beats are so good. You automatically start moving your head and your body to the beats. Okay. He uses, he takes that and makes a beat out of it. So with that, it became like a signature. He would take some a meme that has gone viral, some dialogue from uh, one of the reality shows, anything and makes, puts rhythm to it. And Yash became somebody everyone started uh, listening to and he became a YouTube sensation. And he got to interview A.R. Rahman because A.R. Rahman's 99 movie was released and at that time he got to interview Rahman. I remember seeing that interview where he's, he told Rahman that, Sir, I can't believe that one viral video of mine got me this opportunity to interview you. Of all people, I, I just still can't believe my good luck. So, A.R. Rahman said something very beautiful to him. He said, I have seen your previous work. 
you're an engineer and you have a very good sense of rhythm you have been consistently working on it i have gone back and checked your work it's really good you have a good sense of rhythm you know audio engineering very well your time has come if not this something else but you would have been the sensation because there are so many years of work you have put and it was such a beautiful way to explain to that young boy that this didn't happen because of that one thing you did yeah that one thing that you did you know there's a recent thing which became very uh, famous and again went viral where this basketball player was talking about when the interviewer asked him uh that uh, oh so do you consider this season also a failure hmm oh yeah 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 so for that he said do you mean to say every year you get a promotion yeah. i'm sure you have your parents and your family to feed but every year is not a promotion you're only working towards that promotion and that doesn't mean the years you don't get it you're a failure it's just that you're getting better at it so much that when you get the promotion you have got it when you deserved it the most when you were ready for it so everything in life is prepping us for that moment it's yeah. just that we should not lose patience with ourselves and keep working on ourselves and that's exactly what the geeta says just continue doing your best work yeah. don't look at the result just putting your best self out there can get the best version of you at a time when it's a lot yeah. of time <laughs> your success is around enjoying your dharma and making sure that every time you're putting something out there one more word into your book or one more uh, chapter into your book you're happy with the chapter that is yeah. that's your dharma beautiful beautiful right and i think a lot of times we get stuck in that state of inaction because we are gunning for that one viral post right anything less doesn't work so we are paralyzed with fear and anxiety and we don't actually put ourselves out there and so beautifully said that it's about consistently doing your sh- and showing up and doing your best right that's all it is that's all it is because the problem with us is since we are looking at instant gratification nothing is instant who has taken maggie to the court we though it says 2 minute noodles all of us know maggie doesn't get done in 2 minutes yeah right so when instant noodles is not instant <laughs> how can fame and success be instant yeah how very true and i remembered uh, the chapter 3 that we were reading right so there was this uh, line in the commentary that said nature is working constantly and sincerely Yeah. right and they compared it to how we actually work as humans and you know just those two things constantly and sincerely that's it that's it and uh, i just felt apt here yes because it uh, it is all about that consistency constant action and consistent action your it doesn't matter the result is not pushing you to do you're just showing up because you want to show up that's your that that's Right. you want to show up you're getting joy out of giving it you're getting a real peace by putting whatever your thoughts are out there do it that's it the end result who sees it where it comes from is not in your hands shweta it's amazing how life plans for you you know that's where sometimes i feel having an ambition is actually in a way foolish 
because we have ambitions and dreams only which is limited to our experience yeah. but when we are only towards excelling ourselves each time we perform the plan of the universe for uh, easier understanding the plan of the universe is way bigger yeah. what will come out of it is beyond our imagination <laughs> so when we understand that element it becomes a lot more easy because that's where i feel my life has taught me that many times i have gone in to places to mc in the beginning i was in rj for 10 years and uh, one of my rj friends had called me to a place to mc i didn't know what it is so i asked him what am i supposed to do there he said they're looking for an english mc and uh, they wanted somebody who was very mature so i could only think of you then you come i said what is it about he said hindustani music and i was like hindustani music i have no clue uh, so he was like that's okay you come uh, i will tell whatever i need to tell the script in kannada you need to just translate it in english so we'll sit in the green room we'll work on the script and then you just have to repeat that because it's for a global audience and a local audience so for the local audience it's kannada for the global it's going to be english So that's why I thought ours will be a great combination. Why don't you come? I've never done it before. But I don't know what prompted me. I said, okay, I'll do it. And I went without any idea. I just went there. And there we sat in the green room. And apart from the green room, whatever he added in that moment, I just added it and adapted it to my script. Because, you know, when you MC or you're hosting something, there are many in-the-moment moments which make it that much more beautiful so i was just alert to whatever he was saying in kannada so i could add it as a nuance into my script it was a beautiful experience because i've never had it the who's who of hindustani music was performing in that it went off really well and i hardly met the producer of the show i briefly met him i think for like 2 minutes i just said a hello and then we left and that was it Four months later, the producer of the show calls me and he says, "Rashmi, are you free on this date?" I said, "Sure, sir." Uh, he said, "There's a show coming up and they're looking for an anchor." Uh, I said, "But sir, I can't speak Kannada." He says, "Yeah, I know. They're looking for an English anchor, and they want somebody who can hold the stage." And I couldn't think of anybody else because I liked the way you did our show. I said, "Sure, thank you," and I went to the address he gave. And the address, this is I'm talking about 2000. 13 14 hmm. and the address he gave me when i entered there was the shankar mahadevan academy which is an online academy and that was the first time they were having shankar mahadevan himself and the entire students globally who were coming down and there was a program called sangam so that is the first sangam in 2015 we just finished the 2023 sangam online and i've been hosting it since we have the next one coming up in june wow so that is when i realized that it, you don't have to know everything yeah when you are surrendering and going ahead please trust life because when an opportunity comes to you in life it's because you're ready maybe you're not aware of it yeah just surrender there and go when an opportunity is coming to you take it with both your hands in gratitude and go there and perform you don't know where it will lead to and what you will meet in your life
So I think this for me is Mama Dharma or Swadharma according to the Gita. Whatever you get is your Dharma. Do it. If you've said yes to it, do your best. Yeah. And then you will see everything goes beyond what even your dreams are. So I think that for me is the essence of it. Do your best. Be in the now. Just let go. And the universe is a beautiful place to lead your life. Amazing. Uh, that was beautiful. I have almost goosebumps listening to that story. And yeah, like life always has a better plan. So yeah. 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 Lovely, Rashmi. Thank you so much. And uh, I think there's just so many insights uh, throughout the conversation. I'm going to keep going back to it for sure, personally. And I'm sure many of our audiences would also be loving it. And I just had one question, you know, if people are curious, they've listened to some of these things and want to sort of delve deeper. You know, where could they probably start their journey with the Gita? I honestly, I feel if you, whichever language you like reading in, please take a Gita and online there are enough and more translations. You can listen to anybody. Just first get a feeler of the Gita before you commit to it. You need to enjoy that experience. Don't do it just on a whim. Get on online. There are so many interpretations in Hindi, in Kannada. There are so many in English. So just go into any of the channels. Pick Karmani Evadi Karaste as your verse and say interpretation. And see what uh, the online YouTube throws to you. Whether it is podcasts or through uh, videos. First get a feeler of what the Gita is. And then start your chat. Because... One thing is sure in life, Shweta, that when you're ready, the master is. So you will find your teacher in this journey. And the teacher need not be a regular teacher sitting in front of you and teaching. It can be life itself. But every moment, just be grateful that you're living that moment. And the Gita is one of, one of the ways you can be truly grateful about being blessed with a human life. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rashmi. Um, truly, truly uh, grateful that you took this up. I know you you weren't completely sure about doing this on the Bhagavad Gita, but I think there's just so much uh, value I think uh, I've gained and I'm sure the listeners have also gained through this, just this one-hour conversation. And thank you once again. Really, really. Thank you, Shweta, for thinking of me and inviting me. I think uh, this has been a very beautiful conversation. And I'm so happy you invited me. So thank you very much. Thank you, Rashmi.